Let's stand together and let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom, his kingdom, his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, we thank you for your word and pray you let it come alive in us today. Father, just uh, reveal yourself to each person and the next steps for their growth in you. In Jesus' name, amen. This week and next week, we'll be wrapping up our series on the favor factor and I hope you're getting this thought embedded in your spiritual understanding, that grace is free. The grace of God for our salvation is free, but favor is earned. Now, it's important to understand that God wants to give favor to his people. The Sermon on the Mount that we just read a portion from is the most famous of Jesus' messages. And here in this message on the Sermon on the Mount, he lays out how his kingdom works, how his rules work, how, his, how following after him works, what you should act like as his follower and how you should see the world. There are some startling turns inside of this. He says if you need mercy, you need to offer mercy. We need to offer mercy at the same level we need mercy. He tells us that lust in our heart is a problem on the level of action that we need to deal with the lust that's in our heart after people and after things. Talks about not to call people names or, or to let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, being an honest person simply by saying the truth. He talks about us forgiving the way we want to be forgiven. And then he tells us this startling thing, love your enemies to bless those who curse you. There's one piece of really great news in this scripture, and we just read it. God is looking out for you so you don't have to worry about stuff. Isn't that good news? That's what Jesus is saying here. Hey, you're worried about food. You're worried about the clothes. You're worried about all of this stuff. Listen, God knows you need those things. He knows that you have to have those things. And he takes care of all this stuff for the animals and for the birds of the air, for the flowers of the field. Stop worrying about it. God's in control. That's great news, isn't it? So, that's it. We can just sit back and ride the wave. <laughs> 
Nothing to worry about. Take a big breath and go, ah. Life is simple. God's in control. Okay, you're getting that in? You're soaking that in? Relax. Lay your worries down. Nothing to worry about. No matter what I do or how I act, I'm okay. Ugh. Have you ever been told an, an uncomfortable truth? Maybe you go to the doctor and he tells you something going on with you and it's, you don't like it. It's truth, you just don't like it. I had, some of you know, a couple weeks ago I went home after work and my house was, it was during the heat of all this 80 and 90 degree weather and I walked in the house and instead of getting hit by that fresh, cool breeze, when you walk into your air-conditioned home, I walked into an oven. We called the air guy, and he came out and looked it over, and he said, I got a couple things. He went and got a couple things and came back and worked on it for a while, and finally he came in. He said, look, I've tried everything I know. This thing's dead. It's dead. I didn't want to hear that. I did not want to hear that it was dead. I wanted him to, you know, wave his magic wand over it, and the air conditioner work. You know what I mean? I want to say, here's a $50 bill. And you're good to go. That's what I wanted to hear. But the truth was, it was dead. So I call two other guys, and they come out, and I'm hoping one of them's smarter than the first guy. I'm praying, God, let, let one of these guys be more talented, more gifted, more magical, more faith-filled than the first guy. And none of them had any faith. None of them could... No matter how much you dislike the uncomfortable truth, an uncomfortable truth is still the truth, isn't it? Just because you don't want to hear it doesn't mean it's false. That's kind of the world we live in today. Don't tell me anything I don't want to hear. Just support me the way I am. Instead of telling us the uncomfortable truth, and in my case, how much it was going to cost to fix the uncomfortable truth. In the face of of uncomfortable truths, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Here is one uncomfortable truth. The passage today doesn't say, don't worry about anything. God has this. He will take control of your mess. He'll make everything work out, no matter how you act, no matter what you do, no matter how you live. You don't have to worry about it. The election will turn out the way God intends it to turn out no matter what you do or say. Your life will turn out no matter the way God intends it to turn out no matter what you do or say. No matter how nasty you are, mean you are, unkind you are, unfaithful to work you are, how lazy you are, he, God's going to take care of everything. Just ride the wave. That's not what this scripture says. This scripture tells us that we have to do something. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When you begin to know how the kingdom works, and you begin to do what you're supposed to do in the kingdom, then in the middle of all that, God's going to move in your life. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough work, has enough trouble of its own. 
So if we want the fullness of God's favor, if we want the protection of God in our life, we've got to understand this passage of Scripture and what Jesus is saying to us. Seeking requires effort. If you lose your keys in the house, you don't sit, you don't sit on the couch and go, I wonder where they are. They're going to show up here in front of me, on the table in front of me sometime. If I sit here long enough, they will appear. That's not what you do at all, is it? No, if you've, if you've lost your keys, you start going through the house. You start thinking back to every place you were when you came in. The last time you remember having them in your hands, you begin to wonder, did my kids pick them up? Did my wife pick them up? Where could they have put them? What could they have done with them? Surely it's their fault. I didn't misplace them. I couldn't have done anything wrong. I couldn't have put them in an unusual place. And you begin to search. You begin to turn over every newspaper, every book. You begin to move everything around. You begin to look behind every lamp. You begin to go. You begin to look down in the couches. You look every place. But you put in the effort until you find them. So Jesus is telling us there's some, something you've got to do. You've got to seek something here. Now, what is he telling us we have to seek? He says we have to seek his kingdom. What is that? We have to seek to know the right way. We've got to seek to understand how his rules work, how things work when you come into his kingdom. There's got to be an understanding in our mind and in our heart about how God's way works. I've got to seek to know his kingdom, the rules of his kingdom, the way his kingdom is supposed to function. I have to let my mind be filled with the knowledge of how his kingdom works. And then I've got to seek his righteousness, which very simply means I've got to start doing it. I've got to start applying the rules of his kingdom and doing the right thing in my life. Because, see, friend, if I don't do the right thing, I won't reap the right result. I'll reap a result I don't want. I've got to get radical about this thing of understanding the fruit in my life, and I've got to begin to sow the right seed in his life. Now, why should we seek his kingdom and his righteousness? Well, listen to this again. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by warrant can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now listen to this last line. And all these things will be given to you as well. When you begin to live by the rules of his kingdom, begin to understand how his kingdom works, and you begin to understand and begin to apply the principle of his, of his kingdom, 
the fruit of that, the result of that, when you begin to approach purpose in life, when you begin to work towards life, when you begin to do things as God would tell you to do, then the fruit of God's blessing is going to come in your life. So the next question is this. What is the best way to learn about his kingdom and to start doing what is right? And I'm going to tell you the two simplest ways to begin. The two simplest ways to really begin is this. One, be faithful to God's house. Take being in God's house as an important aspect of your spiritual growth and be faithful to the house of God. Pastors and teachers are supposed to help you in this journey. We're supposed to help you, challenge you, push you to know his kingdom and to live in his righteousness. That's what a Sunday morning is all about. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, she will protect you. Love her, she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Does that sound like good news? But the key there is that I get wisdom, that I learn. Coming to church shouldn't be seen as a Oh, a duty. Okay, once a week, you know, I'm supposed to go to church and, you know, check that off of my box so that, you know, God's happy with me and I don't get hit by lightning or anything. Uh, just go to church, check it. No, no. Coming to church should be seen as a way of seeking, as a way of pursuing the knowledge of who God is and how I should grow in him. I should come looking for this. I come seeking I don't come to sit on a couch. I'm, I'm, I'm coming looking for what I'm missing. I, I can tell you, since Renee and I have been married, I can count on my hand uh, the number of times we've missed church, except for health issues, since we've been married. When we travel, we go to church. Wherever we're at, on Sunday, we make our way to the house of God. Not out of duty, not because I feel like God's going to be mad at me if I don't make it to church. Not because I feel like there's some you know, little checklist I've got to be able to check off in my life. No, I want to know what God's going to say to me that day. I want to hear what God is doing in my life that day. The last time we were, we were out, we went to one church. There's a church we wanted to go to and, and we, when we were gone. And, and we went to that church. We left that church. It had a very nice service. Things were really good. Enjoyed it. We're driving down the road. And, and this, we saw another church. And there were a lot of cars there, and there were people kind of going in and out. And I looked at her name and I said, yeah, they, they look like they got it going on in there. She says, they sure do. You want to go? I said, yeah, let's go. And we pulled in. We went to church again. And I'm telling you, we were so glad we did because it was going on in there. There was some life happening there. We, we heard some things there we needed to hear. God... It, Going to church shouldn't be something that we're just going to go, okay, i got to go put my hour in. 
You know, I'm going to put my time in. I put my Christian time in so, you know, I can feel good about my spiritual life. No, there should be a hunger in us to come and discover what God is doing in our life. So my question is, when you go to church, how do you go? Do you go seeking? Do you go with a wonder? God, wonder what God's going to say to me today. Wonder what God's going to teach me today. It's going to help my life walk in the fullness of what he is. Or do you go saying, oh, well, it's Sunday morning. Let's, if we get to the early service, we can be out by this time. And, you know, we can be free for the rest of the day. How do you approach this thing. What, is, what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. If there's a desire in your heart to say, I want to know God's way, I want to walk in God's way, I want to discover God's way, God's going to reveal his way. And when he reveals his way, then the promises of God come flowing with it. Listen, there's treasure there. There's treasure in the Word of God. I, I can learn. I can grow in faith. I can get fed. I can be built up. I, I can hear the Word, and it will give me strength and give me life when I come seeking. And it will do that for you as well. When the church becomes a place you seek Him instead of a duty you'll find the fullness of God meeting with you. When you come to church, are you seeking? I was talking with a man just in the last few weeks and he comes out of a very religious background and he was telling me, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't come to church, he was just telling me about starting to go to a, a, a Protestant church and he was just like, wow, this is really different than anything I've ever been around in my life. And I just looked at him and said, look, just... Just look in the Bible, hear what they're saying. If it's in the Bible, give it a run. Because if you do, you'll find the life of God in it. But there has to be a hunger. This is the challenge that we want to give you. To, to, to make church not a duty, but a place where you're praying for it every God. This Sunday, anoint pastor this Sunday. Give him some wisdom this Sunday. More than he has already. Please pray for that. I'm going to go Sunday, and I want to hear what you're having to say to me. I'm hungry for what you want to tell me. I'm going to come in those doors looking to learn and to grow. That's why I want to challenge it. From the 18th to the 6th, make it a priority. Because here's, here's what I'm believing. I'm believing that you're going to see enough growth in your life during that time that if you do that, you're going to, say, you're going to sit and say, you know what, I'm not going to treat being in church lightly anymore. I'm going to be dedicated to be in the house of God. Come and see and do what, what, what you learn and see what happens. Now, now, that's the first point. Here's the second point. Know the word of God. These are two simple things. Know the word of God. Proverbs 8 says this. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me 
love death. Now try this out. If you came here once a week and we gave you, you know, like a, a gallon of water or two gallons of water and we said drink it, all of it, drink it all. Drink it all. Drink. In fact, you drink that we're going to give you more. And you drank as much water as you could today. And then you left here. Would that be enough water to take care of you till next week? Couldn't have any more water, couldn't have anything else to drink till next Sunday. If you survived the week, you'd come dragging in next week. Studies have shown that the greatest catalyst for spiritual health of a person is consistent reading of the Bible. That that's where we begin to grow in health and understanding. See, friends, grace is free, but favor is earned. And when you live by the Word of God, you'll find favor. The Word of God brings life into our spiritual bones. And when you read it, seeking to understand how to live for God, you'll find that life beginning to come into your bones. And as you find His life, and as you find that understanding, it builds a greater hunger to know, know God's Word. Now, how many of you have a Bible with you today? Hold your Bible up if you have one with you today. All right. Some of you have it in this form. Hold it up really high. Good, good, good. Some of you have it in this form, right? You know, it's not the form. The pages aren't sacred. The leather-bound book isn't sacred. The words are sacred. This book, this Bible, this paper has no power. The words on the paper have power. The words in here have power. They have life. They are living and active to move in my life. And so I want to read that word and I want to know that word. What you hold here is a road map. It's a road map to peace in your spirit. It's a road map to joy in your life. It's a road map to purpose, to understanding why you exist. It's a road map to build faith so that you walk in faith. It's a road map to understand right and wrong in a culture that's trying to push us and move us. It's a road map to strength in your spirit, to be able to resist evil and to pursue what is good. It's a road map to having hope in your spirit where your spirit will be filled with hope instead of despair. It's a road map that fills our heart with love so that we love others and, we're, and the bigotry and the hatred of life gets swept out of our lives. It's a road map to wisdom, to know how to act and conduct our life. It's a road map that protects us from an enemy who wants to destroy us and destroy our family. It's a road map to God's favor and we hold it in our hands. Right there, in our hands. Maybe it's sitting in a drawer, in a desk in your house. But there it is. The answer to every need of man, the answer to the inner needs of our spirit. Sitting on a nightstand gathering dust. Sitting in a Bible app that we rarely press. And the hope for all mankind is right there. The hope for all eternity is found right there.
I got to pick it up. I got to open it up. I got to realize it's a treasure map. I've got to understand the value of how it will protect my marriage and protect my children and guide my life and fill me with hope and show me purpose and show me how to be prepared for eternity and show me what life is all about. But just because I have it doesn't mean anything. I've got to open and know it. I've got to begin to turn to it. Now, I understand this may be hard. You may not know where to begin. You may open it up and you may feel like you're reading Greek at first. Make sure you didn't buy a Greek Bible. <laughs> you, you, you may even have a hard time with reading. Say, man, it's hard for me. I, I, Pastor, I'm just not a very good reader. You know what? That's what's wonderful about some of these Bible apps today is you can read along and they'll read it to you. I found people that have discovered that and it's just transformed their Bible reading because somebody, because on these Bible apps, there's a place where you can press a little button and they'll read it and you can just read right along with them. And some people, that's the way they learn the best. So I don't know how to do that. These guys will be out here in the entryway today and they'll show you how to do that. It's really simple. But begin to get the word in your life. So if you're not reading daily, you're not reading consistently, what I'm calling you to do today is take a step. If you'll do these two things, if you'll get faithful to the house of God every week and you'll begin to read the Bible every day, it won't be long until your spiritual life will begin to be transformed. You'll begin to get changed. These two steps take us towards, God, towards God's favor. And I want to challenge you to accept them. Right now, I'm going to ask you, if you've, if you've got that card, uh, if you haven't filled it out yet, put your name on it. Right down there on the bottom, print your name. If you haven't told us how to best contact you, how you'd like to receive information from us, put on there how to do that. And make a commitment today. Decide that. You know what? I want the treasure God has for me. I want to live in that place where God's favor is going to be on my life, and I'm hungry for it. And so today, while I'm in the right place, in my right mind, in a right spirit, I'm going to make a commitment to be faithful to God's house. And I'm just going to see what happens. I'm going to make a commitment to be faithful. I'm not going to let just being tired a little bit, being out late the night before, keep me, in, keep me at home. Or that I have, you know, some work to do in the yard or some leaves to rake in the yard. I'm not going to let that get in the way. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. And I'm going to see what God does. I'm going to come seeking him. And I'm going to start reading the Bible. And, and we've made it a real simple way. It doesn't take a long time. It won't take hours and hours of your day. And we're going to do some things to help you along that. That's what one of these papers out in the interways about. is about how we're going to help you, how you can do that. Pick that up. And just say, I'm going to start every day. And even if you're already in a Bible reading program, let me challenge you. Read Proverbs with us. Every day, read a chapter of Proverbs. If it's the first, read the first. If it's the tenth, read the tenth. Go on the Facebook page, look what we're talking about, and, and add to the conversation. And let's be serious about seeking the treasure of God. Amen? Now, I'm going to ask the ushers to come down real quick. 
And they're just going to walk right back through here. And if you filled out that paper, just hand it to them real fast as we do this. Now let me tell you one more truth while they, while they say this. In Matthew chapter 7, it says this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus is telling us, and he tells us again and again and again, that there's only one way to heaven. Now listen, what that means is this. Either Jesus was right or he was wrong. Either Jesus is who he claimed to be or he was false. Jesus says there's not other ways. There's not other religions. There's not many courses to the Father. There's one. He said many, many pursue the broad way and it leads to destruction. Pursue the narrow way, for it leads to life. This is a call for us to make sure our hearts are surrendered to Jesus as our Savior. Amen. Let's stand together. Prayer teams, would you come down front? Friends, will you hear me? As your pastor today, all this is about today is helping you spiritually grow. Helping you to have the life in Christ that you were meant to have. Helping you to be the person. In a few weeks, we're going to start a new series on, that we're calling City Lights. How to be the light of the world. And I want to challenge you today to accept these challenges. I want to challenge you to be faithful to God's house. I want to challenge you to read his word. And we're trying to make it as simple as we can to help you get started so that you'll begin to flourish in God's word. Because I believe if you'll do these things over these next 90 to 100 days that we're going to be in, that at the end of them, many, many, many of you will keep doing them. And all of you will know you should keep doing them. Amen? Today, if you have any need in your life, as Dan leads, come down and let somebody pray with you, but especially today. If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have, you've wandered from Him, you need to get your heart right back with Him. Friends, today's your day. Come down here. Let somebody pray with you. The grace of God is free. Come receive the grace of God in your life. Let's take a moment and worship Him while people come for prayer today.